If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. We are here... Uh, in the morning, looking over the the results of the first night of the Korean baseball organization. And, you know, it feels great to have baseball back. I bet on some of these games, played DFS for these games, of course, on DraftKings and FanDuel. Have to say, you know, I'm more partial to the DraftKings game right now than I am the FanDuel game. Just kind of think that the DK game is a little bit higher skill. One thing I I do wish, though, I I wish that this was available, and it it is not going to be, but on FanDuel, they just have it structured as team pitcher. So, you know, you you, so say your your pitcher gets a late scratch, another guy comes in, you still get the other guy's points as a starter. Uh, Because these games are going to be taking place at 3.30, 4.30, 5.30 in the morning uh, in the United States, in Korea, they're, you know, they're basically afternoon games. I wish that one of the sites would offer a position only game so you know basically you you take the lg giant or the the lottie giants and you just take their catcher or you just take their first baseman pacheco i would for sure sign up for that game uh you know it's a little bit less of a skill game and i think that you can't offer that big a prize pools with it but first night of the kbo uh what was your experience did you did you enjoy it so I I definitely had a blast. Um, stayed up till very late. Uh, the the last game, uh, which uh, it was a KT Wiz uh, that was in it, uh, they ended up losing, and uh, it 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 was till like five, almost five thirty in the morning that it lasted. Uh, watched that game. I watched the uh, the game that was televised on ESPN as well. 
you know, in, in general, uh, I thought it was good baseball. I can already tell that that there's going to be a, a pretty decent degradation after the opening day starters, or you know, when you once you start to get to the back end of these starting pitchers or the bullpen. Um, most of these teams are, are they're just not going to have good names. Like they're going to be well below average players. So that's something that uh, to keep in mind. Um, but the opening day starters, you know, for each team were, were pretty decent uh, on the whole. We had some pretty good performances uh, already. Some of the you know, some some of the former MLBers uh, did very well on the mound. Um, all in all, thought it was good baseball. It's not you know MLB caliber baseball, but these guys. You know, you could tell it could hold their own at the Triple A level, and Triple A players are pretty good with it on themselves. By the way, Davis, uh, before we get into you know uh, some of this other stuff, you slept through this, but I know you were on a Kiwum stack. There was a fire delay in that game. Fire for- in the game. Fire. Yes. So I, I I wake up and I go over into one of our you know side chats that we have, and people are like, oh. There's a fire in the key womb game, and I'm like, I can't imagine if this was a regular baseball game and I had had a good team. So like, I have a good team going on DraftKings, and I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I can I can win some money tonight. Can you imagine having a sweat and then the fire, like a literal fire, going off in the middle of the game? It's, it's Korean baseball. It's keeping us on our toes. <laughs> yeah, you had the you had the rain delays and the fire delays. I actually had a lineup with a bunch of key womb and a bunch of KT. Uh, so it was basically, you know, all the games started at the same time and it turned it into like the, the hammer stacks because of mother nature. Yeah, I am a, I am a big fan of all of the, uh, of all of the games happening at once that, I mean, I think that adds uh, a great sweat to, to Pacheco's point. I would basically say that the level of competition is widely like really skilled double a players like so you know there are going to be guys who are 35 years old and playing triple a it's like kind of like those guys like all the players are you know, generally very good on defense uh the pitchers are you know they're not good enough to play in major league baseball so they're not generating tons of strikeouts you know young players that are really good in the kbo eventually will go and play in major league baseball you know there are guys that we're going to see this season who eventually you know if they're good enough we're going to have their organizations are going to have a posted transfer fee for them and they're going to head over and play in the states i i think it's like a, a it's a fun version of baseball right and it's you, you know you're not you're not tu- you're not tuning in to see mike trout right like we we are all wanting baseball these teams are really fun Obviously, they don't have the same resources that Major League Baseball teams have, but it, it was fun. It was it was a good watch. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. So let's get into digging into some of the results. I think uh, the game that most people would have watched would be the NC Dinos and the Samsung Lions. This game uh, took place on ESPN, which, I mean, how cool, by the way, for, for fans of the Korean baseball organization, or actually... It's just the Korea baseball organization, not not the Korean, which I guess mm-hmm. I just I saw that stated. But I mean, for fans of that, for fans of this league in the United States or for, um, you know, Korean immigrants in the United States has to be very cool to see everyone, you know, following this league, probably that they have uh, a lot of memories of. So this game, Ricky, people were really on the NC Dinos. They were they were really the most owned stack. And, you know, outside of uh, well, 
super chalk home run, right? It feels like feels like baseball's back with the uh with the Sung Bum Na home run. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy who had like a Paul George injury last year. I don't know if you saw that, but he's basically a guy who's being considered a prospect. He's been like one of the most consistent players in the KBO, a guy who's been flirting with 20 homers basically every year. Uh, A lefty hit a bomb off of a lefty, and he was just way too cheap on DraftKings, but He suffered an injury sliding into third towards the end of last year where his knee turned completely around. It was like 90 degrees the wrong way. So the fact that he came back uh, and hit a homer the first game has got to be, you know, make people feel good. I think what was noteworthy from that game also was Aaron Altair, who I expect to be one of the best hitters in this league because he was a true power hitter uh, in the major leagues hit two bombs that if the wind was blowing out, I mean, all of a sudden we would be talking about a two-homer game from Aaron Altair. Literally two catches made with the outfielder up against the wall. Uh, He was chalky on DraftKings, but I think Aaron Altair is a guy who we are going to be going back to the well early and often. Uh, I don't look at that zero fantasy point performance and get discouraged. I think he was crushing the ball, and this should be a league that he blasts off on. Um, So, Pacheco, in terms of, you know, thinking about how some of these uh, American players, you know, Tyler Saladino, uh, Aaron Althair, and then some of the pitchers as well, you know, is this a situation where we can treat them as generally, you know, above the average skill level for the rest of for the rest of the league? Because, like, you know, yeah. you know we, we see this a lot in soccer leagues, actually, where, you know, we'll get we'll get uh, in the MLS. So some guys will come over from Europe and some of them are like Zlatan came in and scored 30 goals. And he was like, it, you know, it was like he he owned the league. And then, yeah. you know, you get some players who come over from from Europe and they they do all right. They they score some goals there and they're there and they're helpful. So like on a, on a scale of, uh, you know, being an MVP candidate in the league to, mm-hmm. you know, maybe mm-hmm. just being like an above average regular. What are what are we thinking these American transplants are looking like? Well, certainly from the pitching side, uh, you can already tell uh, guys like, uh, you know, Despagne or Drusimer Despagne, uh, who pitch at the MLB level, uh, Nick Kingdom. I mean, th- these guys' fastballs are, are like their top end speed is significantly better than your league average in this league. Whereas on the MLB level, you know, 92 to 94 is really not going to do much. And that's top end speed at this league. So I I expect those guys um, to be potentially some of the best pitchers uh, at this level. As far as the hitters, you know, someone like Aaron Althair, who Ricky just mentioned, was uh, known for his power at MLB level, or that's that was his his biggest tool. Uh, just didn't quite translate. Um, he just struck struck out too much. I think he could end up being one of the best power hitters uh, in in this league. Uh, so it would be an above average uh, a power tool uh, in 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 my opinion uh, in this league because there's just not as many breaking balls. It's a lot of there's a lot of contact pitches, and I think guys like Alter would definitely uh, benefit from those type of pitches. So I would say it just depends on the player. Someone like Tyler Saladino is not going to set the world on fire with home runs, right? Uh, he could he yeah, could be a contact player. He's like a contact hitter, right? Like when yeah. he played in Major League Baseball, he was like a below average regular. But someone like yeah. Aaron Althair, Ricky. 
he is like when he when he when scouts were thinking like oh how is good is this gonna guy be how good is this guy gonna be what's his role gonna be he was like a six-hole hitter with some power who played a good defensive position, right? So, like, it's a little bit different comparing Tyler Saladino, who, by the way, hit third yeah. for his team, which mm-hmm. was pretty funny. Yeah, and there were graphics flashed on the screen before the start of the game during the rain delay showing the foreign players how the foreign pitchers on average had an ERA like three-quarters of a run lower, and I believe it was 35 to 40 percentage points higher in terms of batting average than uh, the, the the Korean Nationals. So I think you're going to find the reason that these players are being limited is because they are vastly superior for the most part in terms of their skill set. And most of the people that are recognizable from the MLB, even if it's only from the minors, are going to be amongst the best players in this league. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that I think that, uh, you know, the results of just, you know, kind of studying the league and seeing some game time is the uh, native pit or not like the the non-foreign player pitchers are going to be like pitch to contact sinker ballers. Uh, so on Tuesday night, there is going to be a submarine style pitcher, which actually, by the way, I've been playing a bunch of MLB the show. Darren O'Day uh, is like in a video game, he is impossible to hit and he is amazing to pitch with. I cannot imagine being a real life baseball player and seeing 99% of your life, you're seeing guys throw at you with, you know, the typical, you know, over the shoulder motion. You're used to seeing fastballs that go down. You're used to seeing sinkers that go down, but a submariners pitcher, it comes up and it, it just, it's so crazy to me. Like, Imagine trying to hit a submariner fastball, and it, I, it would not surprise me if this guy who is a submarine pitcher uh, ends up being one of the better guys in Korea, and, and you know the in the KBO. So I'm I'm really looking forward to just seeing some of the weirdness Pacheco that we get from like a, just a different brand of baseball. Like these guys steal, these guys bunt. Like it's 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 definitely not uh, American baseball. No, it's certainly not, and the celebration aspect of it too. There's a a bunch of bat flips. These guys bat flip after a single, which is very unknown. It's, it's, uh, at the it's so cool. Yeah, it's it's very cool, and it's also a little bit of a change for us who are accustomed to seeing the MLB. Uh, that just never happens over there. If if you do that, the next hitter is going to get beamed. So these guys just have way more fun and, and are way more looser. And I think it will translate to being a good on TV product. Yep. So we are going to continue running through the results of the first couple days of the KBO here, talking about some of the lessons we've learned, talking about some of our expectations for the league uh, as we head into break here on the Daily Road Hour. When we get back, we'll look at some of the performances from the first day and talk about some of our bets and DFS action there on the first day. See you guys in just a few minutes. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everyone, welcome back from break on Sports Grid TV. We are the Daily Roto Hour. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we are breaking down our foray into the KBO, the Korea Baseball Organization. Uh, I, I can say proudly, I made my first KBO wager and won my first KBO wager, Ricky. I, I was doing, you know, I, I did a I, I did more research probably for this slate than any MLB slate that I will do uh, at any point this year because you, you're literally starting from like what type of stats do people produce in this league and, and everything. And so I, I bet the Kiwoom Heroes minus 140 over the Kia Tigers. And uh, there's, there's a key thing that I found in my research, which is that three of these teams are... Well, all of the teams except for the Kiwoom Heroes are owned by um, Korean corporations, by by uh, corporations over in over in that segment of the world. The Kiwoom Heroes are not, but the Kia Tigers, the Samsung Giants, or uh, the Samsung Lions, and the Lottie Giants are all corporate owned. But they have all seen their corporate investment in their roster, like because there's other more important stuff going on in the world right now. Like there's just less money being dedicated to those franchises, and I think. In the case of the Samsung Lions, we, Ricky, we saw right away, you know, that that's going to be a problem. They were only able to generate three hits. Uh, their foreign player, their you know, their primary foreign player is Tyler Saladino. So you know, not uh, not uh, you know, in ter- not an A plus foreign player. Uh, so that uh, that first game. Uh, well, well, Ricky, what teams do you think surprised you a little bit on the first night? Like, do you think that maybe there's some rearranging of the power rankings we need to consider? 
Um, that's a good question because it was kind of strange in the way that some of these teams scored. Like, I'm happy I didn't bet the KT Wiz because I really liked Despagne over Straley. But then you mm-hmm. saw as soon as the bullpen came into that game, it was just an utter disaster. So I think the KT Wiz bullpen is something we need to be looking out for. Uh, but in chat, I stated that I thought the Kiwum Heroes were one of the better single entry type teams because you and I agreed that Doosan and the NC Dinos who were on national TV were going to be the chalky stacks. So if you went in almost any other direction, you were doing something different. And Kiwum was facing a pretty good pitcher, at least in terms of his previous stats. He was and, the he was the best pitcher in the league in 2019 yeah. in terms of ERA. Exactly. I heard him call the Korean Kershaw. And they, they, they <laughs> well, he put up, a, he is a lefty. Yeah. So, and they put up 11 runs in that game. Uh, but they do have some of the best talents. Like, I feel like we need to go over again the fact that Byung-Ho Park is the absolute man in this league. I mean, this is a guy who averaged 50 homers over a three-year span and was back leading the league in home, homers per bat last year. You and I thought he was going to be extremely heavily owned because I look at his numbers and the only player I can think of who dominated a league like that for that long of a stretch is Barry Bonds. And to me, he looked like the Barry Bonds of this league. And he was not overly expensive. He was under 5K on DraftKings. And he was owned like 18% in higher stake entries, which I was very shocked at. Uh, I mean, he didn't have great at-bats to start the game. Then he hit a rocket single and he hit a bomb later. So I think Kiwum's offense is someone we have to keep in mind. Other than that, I think Samsung, you know what? I didn't even think about like Tyler Saladino hitting third. Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, it, it is bad. It I mean, can't be, I, it can't be a good sign that your that your foreign player one is Tyler Saladino and two that he's hitting third. Yeah, well, like I just their their best hitters are still Korean, even with the foreign inputs. Yeah, I just assume like Tyler Saladino, he's gonna be really good in this game. He should be hitting third, but like Taylor Motter, who was a guy who was a guy he hit down the order in his lineup. So, you know, they're probably about even. And it's like if, if he, Taylor Motter's hitting seventh or whatever it was, I think it was sixth or seventh, then that's where Saladino should be in his lineup as well. So, uh, Pacheco, I think this is a great lesson for everyone to learn. You know, as long as the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, the NHL, as long as those main leagues are sort of, you know, as, as long as they're not playing, but we are starting to get, you know, we, we're going to get German soccer back on May 15th. We have Korean uh, baseball. We are maybe going to get Korean basketball. You know, who like who knows all the sorts of like we could add New Zealand basketball. Like there's so many things that could get added. This is the number one lesson people have to learn, which is like in a sport where no one knows anything like that's even more of a reason to not play the chalk because no one even knows what the chalk should be. Right. Like imagine playing the chalk in a sport where no one knows anything. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the pe- there's going to be uh, a bunch of chalk that people think are, are really good, but in reality, we really don't know a whole lot uh, about this league. Uh, even if even if you've been studying it for a few days, like that's just not going to be enough over the the other leagues that you actually played DFS for that you've probably spent you know years playing. Uh, so it, I completely agree with you, Davis. And I think. For me, one of the things that I'm going to be taking, uh, you know, a look at and, and something that I'm thinking already about is 
pitching in this league and, and spending up for starting pitching in your rosters is unlikely the move. So I think if you think about this from an MLB perspective, when you pay up at starting pitching, you pay want up for guys out. like Max Scherzer and whatnot, you want strikeouts. And and these guys at the MLB level can rack up double-digit strikeouts, right? The Max Scherzers of the world, the Garrett Coles of the world. Well, the Garrett Cole and Max Scherzers of the world here is like Audrey Summer Despagne. And he, he did have a really good outing yesterday. And he got he 26. Had- in what was like probably a 90th percentile game for him. We had, sure. we had a complete game shutout happen. Uh, I believe his name is Eric Sapold. He pitched Warwick. nine innings. What? Warwick is his first name. Yeah. No. Yes. It is. Warwick Sapold pitched Warwick Sapold. nine innings. He had two strikeouts. He went 101 pitches. I mean, these guys are just pitching to contact. They are just trying to get ground balls. Uh, and, and I think, you know, maybe we will see some weather shift. You know, Ricky talked about uh, Aaron Alther, you know, having those, having those, you know, those would have been home runs if the if the wind was blowing out or if the weather was a little nicer. But yeah, I, I, I think that the right way to approach KBO DFS right now is you attack the weaker teams. So, you know, you're you're getting your pitchers going up against, you know, the uh, the Samsung Lions. Um, I think that the uh, the Lottie Giants, they scored seven runs on opening night, but they were one of the worst teams in the league last year. I think I think that's really one of the ways you should try and approach it and stacking, you know. I'm not saying that not uh, paying up for one starting pitcher doesn't make sense because I, I still think that it does. And, and there's going to be names that you want to watch out for that are, that are going to be, uh, you know, pricey, but probably worth spending up for. I just think spending like for two arms in this league is not going to make a whole lot of sense. To your point uh, yesterday, Davis, of this guy Warwick Saltbold that, that had that complete game shut up with only two strikeouts. I mean, it's, a, it's just a lot of Babbitt luck. And so he was 6,500 and ended up with 31 drafting points. Pitching performances over 30 drafting points in this league are going to be very, very rare. So I, for me, I think paying up for starting pitching twice is probably going to end up being a mistake. I think you want to live in the mid-tier and in the, you know, kind of like the lower range of, of pricing for starting pitching just so that you can load up on bats. I think that's what's going to be the way to play this league. I, I just want to say, though, that if you get anyone approaching double-digit strikeouts uh, per nine, that's going to be a pitcher that you're going to want to pay up for until they're expensive. Yep. Because, like, even the guy who was considered the best pitcher on the slate was 10K on DraftKings. For those of you who have played there before, we know that pitchers get up to, like, above 12,000 if they're overly dominant. So I think spending up for one guy, if it's a true strikeout pitcher, makes a ton of sense. But in the early going where, especially on a slate where there isn't a true ace, I mean, the difference between four strikeouts and two strikeouts is going to be big, and there's such randomness amongst the guys who are all around 6K per nine who are priced from like 9K to 6K that you might as well take the shot on the cheaper guys and pay up for the guys with extreme history of just crushing the ball in this league. I think offense over pitching, especially on days without aces, are going to like easily be the priority. Yeah, I mean, you know, granted, we just were we're operating on very small sample sizes right here. But if you can, if if, and we're gonna learn more about projecting these guys, right? Like there there just are not good stable projection systems for this stuff yet because we do not have, uh, you know, we just don't have a ton of data on that stuff yet. 
I would say, though, if you can rationally project a starting pitcher for, you know, eight Ks or whatever, like that's going to be that guy is for sure going to be worth paying up for. I I think, though, um, you know, after after seeing these games in action, there really were not very many home runs. Like I, I think there was maybe five home runs on the whole slate that that could be off um by one or two you know no double home run games i think like getting your stacks right is just going to be so big because you know there there are going to be teams where they rack up like 15 hits or something and and 12 of them are singles and and that's going to be the way and you know obviously it's like sort of like a compounding interest thing where with every hit the other plate appearances for those guys comes more you know becomes more valuable so you know pacheco we we are definitely going to be stacking in the kbo we are definitely going to be stacking in the in the kbo unfortunately for me my my cash game team yesterday was a kt whiz and i did get their lone home run but they only scored two runs so yeah. it ended up not working out. Thankfully, the rest of my lineup did, did really well. But uh, stacking in this league, just like an MLB, it's going to be uh, very pivotal. And to the point of adjusting for opponent strength, that's going to be difficult to do in this league, Davis. Yes, there's a couple teams like the Samsung Lions and the Low-T Giants that were just really bad last season. And typically, they're pretty bad. Um, but like... We don't really know the turnover on these teams. I, I think from what I've heard, the, the Giants uh, actually got a little bit better this offseason. They did sign uh, Dan Straley, who's not a very good pitcher, but that, that could very well be an upgrade over most of the guys that they had. In fact, he was their opening day starter yesterday. Um, so it's, it's going to be difficult to adjust for opponent strength. I, I would say try to target the best talent over trying to adjust for opponent because right now our information is pretty limited on, on that yeah uh all right ricky real quick here before we head out to break again any other any other big dfs observations after the first day these major league pitchers the ex major league pitchers look awfully good like even drew rasinski his the run on his fastball just had these guys completely off balance Odra Sommer despagne basically had one positive pitch during his final years as an mlb pitcher it was the slider. No one could touch it. So if you're, you know, a decent MLB pitcher, that should translate really well to this league. Yeah, I think that is. I think that is very likely to be true. So everyone, uh, we are going to transition our discussion when we get back to some Major League Baseball chatter because, you know, we, we, we've we got some positive news that baseball might be coming sooner rather than later back to the United States. We definitely will still be talking KBO here on the show as well. But when we get back from break, we're going to transition and discuss uh, Trevor Plouffe's tweet, some bad bullpens, some of the best pitching performances ever, and more in just a few minutes. So see you guys then. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. 
Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break on the Daily Roto Hour. I am Davis Maddock here on SportsGrid TV with Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we transition from our KBO talk to some MLB talk. And Ricky, we got some very good news in the form of a tweet from Trevor Plouffe, who basically said that his sources have heard that spring training version number two is going to start to reconvene at the beginning of June and that the league is hopeful to basically have things going by July 1st. Now, this feels very optimistic to me, given the daily numbers that we see with COVID. However, I think the KBO is giving us a good model. And, you know, if you if I was going to say one sport that I think makes sense, now, the, the part of Plouffe's tweet that doesn't make sense to me, Ricky, is that it seems that these teams are still going to be traveling, to me, I, that part seems far-fetched. It feels like they got they need to find a neutral location to play in. So here's what Dr. Fauci said. Is he basically, I think he was referring to the NBA, but he was saying guys are going to have to choose between playing ball and being social. And I think that's what's going to have to happen with these leagues is you're going to have to have a bit of a condensed season. And basically, I mean, if they take team planes, I don't think it's such a big deal as long as there's minimal contact with employees that you don't see all the time. Um, and I think that you don't that you're going to have to lock players into the point where they can't have much of a social life because you don't want them going out to a club where everyone has it, and then like the whole team getting COVID. Uh, so there has to be a, a you know a scenario in place where they're kind of kept in a little bit so you stay away from a ton of unnecessary human contact but if they can just fly from team plane to team plane and just be with employees who are all keeping themselves relatively quarantined there is a scenario where they can make this work at least i hope 
Yeah, I mean, I, I am very hopeful for that as well. You know, I mean, all of us, all of us want to have, um, all of us want to have baseball back, right? We, we all want, we all want to get baseball back on our TVs. And, you know, we'll, we will leave the, we will leave the logistics up to the experts, Pacheco. But, uh, yeah. you know, what are, what are you, what are you most looking forward to getting baseball back in our lives? What's it like? Do you, do you miss tilting Angels games at, at 1 a.m.? Like, where, where are you at with, with missing baseball? Oh, I miss baseball a whole bunch. Um, I, I would say, since I follow the Red Sox so much, I, I definitely miss, you know, watching games in Fenway and whatnot. Like, I want to have that back in my life um, for sure. And I think the KBO is definitely proving that this is very much possible. But I, I think the, the biggest thing is, can can they test every day? Can they test every day? Can they test these players every day? And, and make that work. Because if, if testing isn't available and you can't test these players on a daily basis, I just don't know how we go back to normal uh, on, on sports. So if, if that's not a thing, I, I, I don't know how we, how we get there. Hopefully, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we do because I definitely miss it. Yeah, my, my thinking is that there is a, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of money at stake here, right? Yeah. You know, they, these leagues are going to have to pay very heavy financial penalties if they're not able to deliver a season, both in terms of player contracts and TV contracts and everything. So, you know, these leagues and, and you know what, the players too, I think, I think something that, um, I think something that sort of is happening is that these players are realizing that, yeah, maybe like I, you know, I don't want to get the coronavirus, right? I don't want to not see my family for six months. I don't want to not hang out with my friends for six months, but it would really suck even worse for one, not be able to get my paycheck for one year, right? Like, you know, you'd like to, you'd like to probably be able to get your paycheck, but also the future earning power of all of these leagues, if they just stone cold skip a season, like, you know, what, like the, the earning power is going to be gone. So I think, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these arguments about, you know, why baseball, why basketball, why hockey, why football can't come back center on the idea that, oh, well, the players are never going to agree to this. And Ricky, I, I don't think that's true. I think the players very much will agree as long as as long as things are as safe as possible where it's not an exploitative situation and it's safe but it just might suck for social reasons i think the players are likely to agree to come back so i don't know how to say this sentence without it being weird but just because you're rich doesn't mean you stay rich unless you stay rich in other words like you need to be able to afford the things that you like. Obviously, we're not going to sit here and cry for guys that are making four million a year. But if you're paying for you know a million dollar house, you still got to find a way to pay for it, even though you're rich. So you would expect someone with that much money to have saved money and, and whatever. But there are a lot of players who live close to the edge of their means, sort of like every one else of us, you know, if if we find the house of our dreams, we go a little bit above our price range and it's uncomfortable, but as long as we're getting a paycheck, it's fine. I'm sure that's happening in the MLB. So I, I think that will certainly motivate the players. Yeah. Uh, so we, we are, uh, we're going to get baseball back. So let's, uh, let's start thinking about the season that is going to be played. And Ricky, you have been wanting to talk about bullpen situations on the show here for a while so let's uh let's hear it let's hear some of your some of your bullpen takes 
Well, my thought is, as soon as we get back to baseball, we got to talk fantasy baseball. And I know what a lot of us like to do in our seasonal leagues. And you look at the National Fantasy Championship, which is a bunch of high-stake leagues. Uh, people like to save and, you know, not draft saves early. So, you know, the Aroldis Chapmans, the uh, just all the top closers of the world, we like to let those guys go, the Brad Hands. And because there's... You know, most closer situations are so unstable. You save and and you look at the value situations. And this year, I think there are a bunch of value situations where you can look there and potentially get a closer like last round of your draft. Like that's how how much value there is and or find a guy who is just an incredible replacement. So let's talk about some of the worst bullpen situations in the league. The San Francisco Giants, the Mariners and the Royals. And I want to start with the Giants. Because I think the guy who is going to be the closer is being drafted, if you look at some of these deep leagues, as the third reliever on the Giants. So the guy who basically is being widely considered the closer is Tony Watson. And Tony Watson is a lefty who was given a chance with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And last year, Davis... He posted career-worst numbers pitching with the San Francisco Giants, which you would think in that ballpark would be a, a haven I, for I already guys. hate it. Left, lefty closers, net, like unless they throw like 108 miles an hour, like Aroldis Chapman, lefty closers just never work out. 93 miles an hour is what you get from Tony Watson, and it kind of looks like he's soft-tossing just the way he throws. And he's being drafted like he's the sure-thing closer, and I just don't see it, especially now that, like, uh, you know, you kind of need your lefty reliever, you know, because you, you're not just throwing them against one guy. Uh, you have to do a minimum of three batters. So I think you want to save him for an inning when, you know, you potentially get two lefties. The other guy that's being drafted ahead of the guy that I like is Tyler Rogers. And you were talking about a sinker baller or a submariner rather in uh, Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day basically throws sidearm. Tyler Rogers, I want you to pull it up, at least during the break. He is Chad Bradford reincarnated. Uh, this is the brother of Taylor Rogers, but he was a very below average minor leaguer. And it just so happened to click last year, and he had a pretty decent year. But again, I don't think the Submariner is a guy with staying power as the closer either. So I think Trevor Gott is a guy who throws close to 100 miles an hour. He throws in the upper 90s. Uh, I mean, he, last year, over a 26% K rate, basically a 3 FIP. He, to me, looks like the guy who's the clear closer, and he's like not being drafted in the top 450 of NFC leagues. Yeah, I mean, those are... I think the the pushback to that would be why you would even want to draft this guy would be one how valuable is the Giants closer even going to be yeah. the Giants are are not a good team I I think my my plan in the uh main event which uh I was going to draft I think our our draft was set to go on February 28th so that uh <laughs> that or or no March March 28th right so so one of the last ones before the season started that uh that did not exactly work out how we had planned to do it, but hopefully with this Trevor Plouffe announcement, we we get it back. Our our plan was we were going to go two elite closers and then basically just bid on closers all year long. Uh, Pacheco, how how does this idea sound to you though? That in a shortened year, right? Because we think probably max we get a hundred games. You know, maybe we get. You know, maybe maybe it's less than that. Maybe they do 81 games and they just cut it in half. If mm -hmm. you're a major league manager, are you more or less likely to 
you know, basically pull your closer, right? Change your closer. Are you more or less likely to in a season where every game matters more, but yeah. also it might just be a sample size thing? Like, what are you, what are you, what are we thinking is more likely to happen? So are you asking me if managers are willing to pull the plug uh, earlier in a yeah, condensed earlier season? Yeah, earlier or just ride it out. No, I, I think they'd be willing to pull the plug more. Um, but it, it also depends on what team we're talking about. You know, some of these teams are still going to be really bad, and, and, and they probably want to tank, right? And they want just that draft position. Although in, in MLB, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, because the, your draft yeah, picks not, are not going to play right away. In, in, in yeah. baseball, yeah. Yeah, and and to be fair, you know, the, even the drafting is a little bit different in, in that your guy that, that you draft is not necessarily going to play right away. He's going to have to go through the triple-A, the you know, double-A, triple-A, the minor league system. Um, so I, I, I certainly think that they would be willing to pull the plug earlier, uh, but – I, I agree on trying to just bid on these guys rather than draft them as as cernies or like just darts because I ultimately you just don't know and these teams that we're talking about here like the Giants the Mariners uh, Royals like some of the worst bullpens in the league they might just have a committee and they might not have a guy and so trying to make sense of that at least at this point is going to be very difficult yeah i will say though in like 15 team leagues if you could get a guy with like 10 saves that's valuable because sure. there's so few closers uh so i think a guy that you can grab towards the end of the draft who does have a shot and by the way also gives you strikeouts which is the case for a guy like trevor Gott. that's always what he's given you uh, like I mentioned last year, the 26.6% K rate in 52 innings, plus he pitches in San Francisco. So you would have to think a good pitcher, regardless of if he's given the closer role or not, is going to give you good counting stats. And if he could potentially you know, raise above the crop, which I expect him to, just because he looks like the best fit. Again, Tyler Rogers, the other right-hander, a guy who posted a FIP of about four in back-to-back -back years in the minors. So doesn't look great to me. Uh, if you could just get a guy like that, and he gives you 10 saves, especially in like a, a shortened season, that's going to be valuable. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, hunting saves in a shortened season is going to be big. I think nailing that strategy in a big chunk of your drafts, you know, whether managers are quick to pull or they just kind of ride guys out for the entire shortened season, I think that is definitely going to correlate to winning your fantasy baseball leagues in 2020. So we're going to go ahead and head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV, continuing with more 2020 MLB chat uh, when we get back from the other side of this break. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on Daily Roto TV on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco, catching back up on our 2020 MLB discussion. Uh, Ricky, we got we got more uh, we got more bullpen chat. Yeah, we got to talk about this Seattle Mariners, and you know, you guys were talking about why would you want to draft some of these back end guys, and I got a quote for you that's not going to give you any uh, positive thoughts about the Seattle Mariners. Scott Service has already gone out of his way to say, there will be no closer. It's just going to depend. Some nights it might be a particular guy matchup-wise or because he has the freshest arm. He hasn't pitched in a couple days. He'll be asked to get the final three outs of the game. Unless somebody jumps up at the position and looks super comfortable, then it might grow into that. But right now we don't have one. So obviously that quote doesn't sound great. But I think a lot of people are drafting Yoshihisa Hirano, who came over from Arizona as the closer. And I don't understand that. I mean, he had 156 saves in 11 seasons in Japan. So like he has history of being a closer, but he's 35. And I don't think this Seattle Mariners team is playing for now. Uh, So it just makes sense to develop a youngster. And he's coming off a season where he had almost a four Sierra. So it's not like he was a really dominant bullpen guy. I think people are drafting the wrong guy there. I think Matt McGill is a guy down the stretch last year who has a firearm. I mean, he throws 95-plus. Showed that he can get it done given the situation. And honestly, Hirano is not even the guy I would draft to back him up. But going back to McGill for a second, um, I mean, I think it's telling that he was the guy given the shot and now he's healthy. Like the fact that he was dealing with an injury, but now that the season's pushed back, he's going to be healthy from day one. He's the go-to guy. But another end-of-the-draft guy, especially in, like, 15-team leagues, I've got a name for you guys. Austin Adams. So this team signed Carl Edwards, who was a former Cub, and Dan Altavilla. But 
Austin Adams, when he was healthy last year, and re- remember, we have this rule this year where you have to face three hitters. So there are guys who are used as specialists who are awesome, right? Guys who posted like 30-plus percent K rates who you just barely ever saw, who we're going to see a lot more of this year. How about this? In terms of relievers who posted a higher K rate last year or other guys who posted a 40-plus percent K rate, Josh Hader, Drew Pomerantz, Nick Anderson, and Kirby Yates was it over Austin Adams, who struck out over 40% of the batters that he faced, and no one has heard of him. This is a guy who relied on his slider 63% of the time, but he is another guy who throws upper 90s. He's basically a two-pitch guy. Like, if you are looking for the deepest of deep bullpen stretches for a guy who could give you over 100 strikeouts and could potentially fall into some saves. Like, I don't think Matt McGill is a guy who's overly stable. Austin Adams, to me, looks like one of the most unknown, potentially stud relievers in the entire league. So, is Austin Adams a dude? Like, let's say let's say the three of us were like, all right, we're going to do uh, a, an NFBC main event because we want to have something to talk about on the show. Would that yeah. be a dude you would draft, or would that be a guy that you are leaving out there on the waiver wires. I mean, I know that um, the N- the NFBC also has, like, 50-round um, yeah. draft and hold, so, like, basically best ball, but for baseball. So, I mean, th- that would be, so that would be, like, literally, like, a 50th round selection would be Austin Adams in that format, right? Uh, I don't even think 50th round. I think you could you could reach on him before that. I would say after the 500th pick. Uh, he's game because I just did a 20 team dynasty. I think that took him a pick about 560 and I felt pretty good about that. So there are some leagues where you could find 15 to 20 teams or there are just only leagues like AL only where a guy like Austin Adams is not even on anyone's radar and talk about a guy who could get you strikeouts and potential saves. I think he's a name that I would absolutely have circled. And in any league with a deep bench, I think he's a fine last pick because at worst, he's going to give you just massive strikeouts. Yeah. Um, all right, so there we go. There, There's some good bullpen chat. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was the MLB, the show, Players League. So this was, I thought, just one of the one of the coolest things that has happened in quarantine. You know, obviously we have uh, the, the Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Matt Wolf golf match and we have the outlaw tour and everything but i thought this um i thought this format was really cool where basically every mlb team had a representative play and uh so for those of you guys who don't know blake snell like takes video games pretty seriously has like a has like a streaming setup and everything and then you could also see there were uh there were some guys pacheco who didn't take it very seriously including the worst player in the league the Boston Red Sox's Eddie Rodriguez. How do you feel knowing that uh, that your virtual representative was the worst player in uh, in the entire format? Well, it doesn't feel great. I tell you that. I think <laughs> they got he got bounced really, really early. Um, Blake Snell won and won. I mean, pretty pretty easily. Uh, I would say he went up against uh, Lucas Giolito um, in the finals, and Giolito didn't beat him once. And to your point, Snell does take it. Uh, pretty seriously and plays the show pretty regularly. So it's, yeah, he it's, plays a ton. Yeah, it's it's no surprise, but to see the Red Sox get shelled like that really didn't make me feel great. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just for those of you guys, if you if you have not seen any of it, it is well, the the format was pretty cool. It was basically you played every other person once during the regular season, and then uh, and then it was broken down. And it was very surprising to me to see the players that were really good. I guess I guess not that surprising. Literally all young, except for this was this was surprising to me. Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs was really good, and I just would not have thought of him as like a good video game player. So, so you know, Bo Bichette, Joey Gallo, Jeff McNeil, uh, G- Gavin Lux of the Dodgers. I'd be like, yeah, all these guys are young. A- another question I had, Ricky, is like, how much do you think the like how much of the skill of watching and hitting a baseball in real life translates to a video game? Like, are are you seeing the breaks the same? Because like hitting an MLB the show is really hard and I'm just thinking like how much do you think that skill translates I I gotta I actually have to think they're like almost two different skills I think so but at the same time like their reaction time compared to us I think is a lot better just from having to like judge the spin of a ball that quickly and react I think like their brain to thumb reactions are just inherently quicker than ours so once you start seeing the break like I don't know which mode you're playing on, whether you got to, you know, guide the bat to which part of the zone or, or they were just, were they playing with the guided bat or were they just playing like you hit X to swing? Do you know which mode they were on? They were definitely playing the full like PC. So the, the mode where your left thumb controls the direction okay. of like where your, your plate coverage indicator is in. They were, they were playing the full on like yeah. real mode. Yeah. Okay. So like my brain, the way it works is like one half of it has to work on, Oh crap. I need to swing. And the other is like, Oh no, the ball's dip. I see a dip. It's a curveball. Like you got to move it. And for me, a lot of the time I'm either swinging at pitches out of the zone or just taking curveballs when I think it's fastball where I think these guys can react quicker. So I think there's a little bit more carryover than you might think. But, of course, video game versus real life. Like, it's not a one-to-one carryover. I mean, the the, the quick twitch, the, the quick, like, reactions for video games are... Yeah like even more insane than they are like guys are guys are done playing professional league of legends at like 25 pacheco right no certainly um i, I think there is some carry over but ultimately uh the video game version is very different than the real life version and like if you just don't practice that you're you're not going to be successful at it so of, of course someone like blake snell who plays regularly knows what he's doing is going to end up being successful over others that play some, but don't put the same time that that Snell does. I, I think ultimately the experience factor plays a, a really big role in, in a video game. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk about before we got out of here today was some of the best pitching performances ever. So did you guys know that 20 strikeouts in a game was not the record that, that someone actually had gotten? 21 i thought that i thought that carrie wood max scherzer randy johnson roger clemens i thought that 20 was the record that is uh that is not the case did you did you know that ricky no i'd always been under the impression that like 20 was it because they always made such a big deal i still remember that right yeah i did i did not know that there was over 20 so this fella by the name of tom cheney he pitched only eight years in baseball. 
Uh, he actually had a losing win-loss record in his career. Pitched, it looks like he only pitched in his career in like roughly, uh, like he pitched 466 innings. So that's roughly like 45 to 50 games in his career. He pitched 16 innings. Right. For the Washington Senators in 1962. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, what? What? I so I, if any of if anyone is listening to this show, if any of you guys know how this happened, if is this a mistake on Baseball Reference? Is something wacky that we are not understanding? But in 1962, for the Washington for a 57 and 92 Washington Senators team. On September 12th, so this is like almost at the end of the season, right? Uh, Tom Chaney pitched 16 innings, struck out 21 guys. I mean, baseball history, by the way, is just littered with stuff like this. Like, if you go on baseball reference and try and run a search, it is so much more advanced than the pro football reference search. Like, you can search for, if you wanted to, you could go under under 30 degrees in September in a game that went to extra innings batter must be left-handed pitcher must be right like if so for those of you who are missing sports I would uh, I would very much uh, encourage you guys to go back and look at this so I guess I guess my question is uh, do we do we consider do we consider this 21 strikeout record legitimate Pacheco or do we still think that uh, that Kerry Wood is Kerry Wood Roger Clemens Max Scherzer are the are the real owners because it did not require them to pitch sixteen innings? Yeah, I mean, the feat is incredible, and it, for it to be in nineteen sixty two is is actually probably even more impressive because these sort of performances were just not the norm uh, in in that era. So you, I give credit where credits due, but the dude had to pitch sixteen innings and face twice as many as the batters that Max Scherzer and Kerry Wood, et cetera, the guys that are in the 20 strikeout club um, have to face in order to get the 21 strikeouts. You know, you give Max Scherzer and, and these guys that have the 20 strikeouts three more batters, you know, do they get at least one more K? I, I think it's I'm very guaranteed, likely. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think it's very likely, although, you know, they were running, they were running on fumes at that point. But, like, l- let's face it, if they had, like, 10 to 15 more pitches to make it work. Like, could they get another strikeout? Probably. So I give credit where credit is due, but I still think the 20 strikeout performance um, for Kerry Wood uh, specifically, man, that was uh, that was unbelievable. Watching that watching that game and watching that dude dominate the way that he did um, was was really an unbelievable performance. All right, everyone, thank you very much for watching the show. We will be back tomorrow with even more content. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.